I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow. And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow. We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast. Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season. Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers. So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City. Derek, the season is over, but we are still here for one more episode. They gifted us a little more, and honey, I was eating it up. It was great. The people couldn't get enough, and even if they could, we came back anyway, and we are here with so much to talk about, about the entire season. We've got this new documentary. There's a ton going on. Remind me, Phil, what happened this last season? Well, Chris Noth dies, both on the show and his IRL career. Peloton stocks dive. Carrie moves to the brownstone. The show becomes Woke Charlotte. The world meets Che. The world hates Che. Carrie leaves the brownstone. Kim Cattrall gets shady on Twitter. Carrie returns to the brownstone. The Golden Girls are apparently the same age as the Sex and the City Girls. People go nuts over Charlotte's face. Can we please leave Charlotte alone? The writers do Steve real dirty. And just like that, we loved it. So... That's a lot. A lot happened. Um, So overall thoughts on the season, Dara? What's the big overarching theme? I mean, now that we're, I can see the forest through the trees, I loved every second of it. If you go back and quote me, of course, you know, maybe you'll find a couple (laughs) lines of dialogue I said to you about how much I hated what was happening, characters I despised. (laughs) However, I, you know, I'm basking in the glow of having these ladies back in my life whom I miss so much. I kind of, I almost wish there just wasn't a, an exact record of everything we thought along the way yeah. so that now we could just be like, no, we loved it all along. We knew they had a plan. We knew this was Carrie's journey. We we were super on board. I, again, overall thoughts, that's how I feel as well. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and this time we needed our reading glasses. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good soundbite. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but this is 2022, and we got some stuff wrong. <laughs> but we got some stuff right, and I, I am glad we, I'm glad we were on this journey. We talked about this last week. We were allowed to be hard on it. We gave ourselves permission. We did it. And I think a lot of people appreciated that because it wasn't what everybody expected to happen. I mean, when we dove in and it felt like a different show tonally and we were just thrown these new characters and everything felt super woke, it just was really jarring. And I think it's okay that everybody was a little confused or upset about it and had thoughts. I'm glad we stuck with it and gave it its due so that by the end we could say, oh my goodness, this was all worth it. I'm so glad I went on this journey. But I think it was okay that in the meantime, we had some doubts. Just like Carrie on her journey back to love had doubts. So did we, Phil. And we are the heroes of this story, honestly. (laughs) Well, we did actually. So PureWow did just write an article. uh, Anna Smani, she wrote this uh, genius article about how Carrie is the true villain of Sex and the City. Please go check that out because that could be a whole podcast episode on its own. Um, But she has strong thoughts, and some of them I agree with. It's a great take. I do think that, as we discussed last week, the only villain of any Sex and the City and just like that universe, cinematic universe, is that post-it note that Berger left um, that the writers failed (laughs) to acknowledge last time. But Why? Yeah. How was that not the biggest, most awful breakup story? No, instead it was her dead husband. Terrible, terrible, 
missed opportunity by the writers. So favorite moments of the season. Um, I will throw one out there first. Obviously, it's from the finale, but I really just it felt so gratifying. The whole scene on the bridge in Paris, not only do we get the the closure of the big story, not only do we get this gorgeous gown and this gorgeous Eiffel Tower purse, but we also get the text messages with Samantha about how they're going to meet up. It was just such a wonderful, full uh, scene and moment that I think that, I mean, it obviously it happens at the end, but uh, was maybe my favorite scene of the whole thing. And it didn't take place in New York. I, I loved a lot of that too. And I loved I loved a lot of the Charlotte moments that stick out. We were hard on her storylines at first for being a little slapstick, but seeing her overall growth really made me appreciate what was happening behind like in the writer's room because the moments where she got to be smug Charlotte were very funny. And then when she slammed the door in Lily's face was very funny. The period coaching was very funny. And then that that ultimate bat mitzvah scene where Charlotte got to be the bat mitzvah at the end was like pure old school sex in the city comedy gold. I loved how that worked out. Yeah, Charlotte really did seem to have the the hardest time early on. She was so me, 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 making everything about herself while Carrie was going through this grief. Uh, and I just remember thinking early on, like, Ooh, we are in trouble. Kristen Davis, how did you agree to this? But we really got there. And I think she was the most consistent character throughout. So a lot of I I also had I enjoyed a lot of her specific moments throughout mm-hmm. the season, generally in the latter half of the season. Yeah. And and on the flip side, I liked LTW in the forefront of the season. She came in really strong and then, you know, fizzled out a little bit. Um, She wasn't there as much, but as the documentary goes into that art scene, like that sticks in your head where you see all those iconic pieces. And it's like it creates a new paradigm for what Sex in the City is visually, too. This is art and types of people we haven't seen on the show before. And that was really striking and will stick with me, hopefully, into season two. And an absolute favorite moment. I, I I think that definitely qualifies as a favorite moment. That scene where LTW's mother-in-law is just trying to give her shit. And Charlotte steps in and goes, actually, no. LTW knows exactly what she's doing. And it, it's a returned favor mm-hmm. when LTW has saved Charlotte earlier in that episode from the other mothers. It was a, That was a really nice moment as well. Phil, least favorite moments. Least favorite moments. Okay. Oh, Phil, there were, there were so many. If I rolled there were out so my list, many. it'd be like Santa's naughty list. It'd be endless. Well, that first one that comes to mind is that stupid scene with Che and Miranda at the door where Che is like, oh, maybe someone's inside. Someone is inside. Oh, it's just me. She, where, where Miranda is like forced to like look like an idiot, go running down the stairs. Although it does give me my favorite line of the season. And when, yet, you know. and yet, yeah. But we had to deal with Che being... The worst again. A lot of my least favorite moments involve Che. I know, but at the same time, looking back, I got a lot of joy out of like hating Che. The universe did. the The internet did. Think how many memes were sparked from Che. I was cackling at these memes. I was laughing. Ultimately, Che made me happy, just like they make Rambo happy. Please don't quote me on that. <laughs> che is the worst. Yeah, Che is the worst. Did you have any non-Che related least favorite moments? Um, you know I don't like children. If I want to watch kids, I will watch Euphoria, another HBO <laughs> pr- prestige television. Um, Dara, n- new mother Dara says, quote, you know I don't like children. <laughs> <laughs> I love children. I don't find them on a show called, you know, A New Leg 
on a show that was once Sex and the City. I don't want to watch. And just like that, our kids are assholes. Brady is the worst. Louisa is such a know-it-all. Lily's <laughs> annoying. Rock is a jerk. Like, bleh. I don't want to see it. I'll watch you. the PTA meetings. I will not engage. I'm disengaging from the children. And I also never want to hear the words chia seeds ever again. I don't think they need to be said in a television show. I certainly didn't need to hear Miranda and Steve say them 75 times. I don't ever want to hear or see from a chia seed ever again. If I was on the board of chia seeds, I'd be just as mad at the people behind and just like that as the Peloton people are, frankly. <laughs> They've ruined chia seeds for everybody. And as far as best moments go, a favorite moment, as at least a favorite cultural moment, that Peloton stuff was just so juicy and fabulous. I mean, they just, oh man, they were like, you guys, we got it. We got our bike into and just like that. This is going to be huge. And then it killed big. And then the backlash, the stocks crashed. And then... <laughs> the, uh, they, they're like, oh, I know, I know, we'll solve this problem. We'll make a response video starring Chris Noth, who then is revealed to be a massive scumbag for years. And Peloton messed up again. It was just such a, um, and obviously I'm not uh, saying thank you to Chris Noth for this moment, but thank you Peloton for just being like, you know what? We're going to double down. Oh, mm -hmm. we're going to double down again. Oh, oh, and they just couldn't get it right. Um, but they did get all this free advertising. I mean, they were they were trending for, you know, two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, you, they kind of changed how real estate works in my mind. Like if I ever come into a watershed of money, I if I'm buying a penthouse, a Peloton better come in a fancy like gym closet with a shower with no door. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at least that's according to SEMA, you know, according to you SEMA. know what you should get a Peloton. Mm hmm. Let's do some fun mock awards. Uh, I don't know what my answers are to these, but we do have a couple of these written down, and I'd love to kind of just see what our first instincts are. Dara, okay. best new character. Who gets the award for best new character? Ronnie. <laughs> Shocking. Ron. Sorry. Okay. That last right. episode, I became obsessed with him, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with... Uh, it's LTW, and I think it's got I, the deal was sealed. Even though her plot kind of disappeared as the season went on, the deal was sealed when she was at that um, painting uh, day, and she showed up in that fabulous outfit with all the gold um, like brushes and and things attached to her safari outfit. Essentially, it was unbelievably gorgeous, and I was like, all right, she's my favorite. Phil. You're telling me and our listeners, like, we didn't know you were going to say that. Like, okay. you, I feel like that outfit is all you've been thinking about. <laughs> like, like, I could have said that verbatim for you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to be predictable. Most predictable podcast host goes to. Um, okay, so best new character. All right, so I think I know what you're going to say, but who was the worst new character? Okay, you're not going to know who I'm going to say. <gasps> Shock. Okay. Lissette. Lissette, the downstairs neighbor? Yes. W why? <laughs> I understand Che's function in the show. Lissette mm -hmm. was like, sure, a mirror to carry. I guess they didn't even talk about her in the documentary. It was mm. like pointless. It was like the boomer feminist urge to include a pretty white woman. You know, like, did we really need this? No, not at all. 
Fair enough. I think that's fair. Uh, I also want to circle back. I should have said with best new characters, follow up was perhaps Gloria, who we really thought in the first two episodes, we were like, or the second and the third episode, we're like, oh, she's going to have a major storyline. And there was just no more Gloria, Big's assistant. You find out like Big and Gloria have been like stooping behind closed doors and they have a family. I was like, where's this going? This is so good. (laughs) He was also my lover, Carrie. That was a pretty good impression of Gloria for somebody who hasn't been in it since episode three. That's pretty good. Uh, so my worst new character would have to be grown up Brady. I I hate Brady. I mean, you've you've agreed with me before. This is he's the worst. He's an asshole. He again. I understand the function of Che, mm-hmm. but Brady's function seemed to only be be an asshole to your parents. Mm-hmm. That was the only function he, his character served, and. I guess that's maybe realistic, but I hated him. I know he's not technically a new character, but his grown-up version is, and I, I, I hope he's away during season two if that happens. Yeah, he's traveling through Europe. That said, yeah, I was just thinking, there. if I saw Brady in a bar and he came up to me, <laughs> I don't know, he would Come be maybe on. hot, but like... As a character on this show, I loathe him. So if he came up to you in a bar, would you tell him so? You would... <laughs> You would say you're a disgusting human being. Is that where you're going with this? No, no. I would say like, hey. <laughs> oh, oh, you'd be into it. If he, I, if he was like flirting with me, I'd be like. I see. Okay. Okay. He's very tall. You know, yeah. That's nice. Confident. Right. I hate him, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Worst storyline. Award for worst storyline. What do we think? I have two. Go. The beeping mm. and the noise complaint. The beeping, at least we got the answer to. No, not really. But, well, we only, did only through our, our detective work. Yeah, off the field yeah. sleuthing. What about you? Worst storyline. There's also the, like, there's a lot of Carrie just being like, I forgot I'm upset that my husband died. And, like, going back through that. Like, I know it was such a mm. plot point that her husband died. Yeah. But I was also yeah. like, get over it. <laughs> I've got it. So the worst storyline to me was definitely the the new apartment in general. Because we had already, we talked about this at length, but we had already done this where she chose to sell her apartment with Big and go back to her roots at the Brownstone. But then we had to have this whole other storyline where she's going to go to a new place and then go back to her roots at the Brownstone. Like it was an unnecessary storyline. I don't know why we even went there. It really just felt like so we could have Seema do something or we could, I don't know, introduce that <laughs> your worst storyline, which is the beeping. I yeah. don't know why that even existed. No, I think when you say it out loud that it was to give Seema some agency, that's what it was. But then Seema yeah. found her like an apartment that she didn't want. So is Seema good at her right. job? I, like, no. And then when Seema was just like, oh, you don't like it? We'll just get rid of it. I was like, so wait, you just in one line dismissed the entire storyline of this whole episode, which was find this apartment anyway. And have you ever been to a closing? It's like a nightmare, <laughs> like Carrie going all those meetings. Ugh. I have not been to a closing, but it sounds awful. Horrible. Yeah. OK, what about best line of the whole season? There are a lot of good singular lines. I loved when Charlotte said to Miranda, and this was brought up in the docu- documentary, you're not progressive enough to date Che, or like whatever variation of that was. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was funny, but it was true, and she was so angry when she said it. I thought one great line was when Che finally acknowledged what uh, we had all been saying about them, which was, uh, it's the finale when Che says, what can I say? I'm a fucking narcissist. And that was really gratifying. We talked about this because, you know, finally it seemed like the writers were aware of what we had been saying all along about this character. I was like, oh, you knew Che was the worst. Mm -hmm. You just didn't let us know until the last episode that you knew. 
So I really liked that that came out. Yes. There were also a couple of Miranda rom-com lines that I loved. Like, I'm in a rom-com, Carrie. I'm paraphrasing. And also that one on the, the, the stairs when she's running away from Che. And she says, like, what am I, Meg Ryan? Fuck. And I was like, <laughs> yes, so good. I those were that. just Those were golden lines. Golden. Who had the best acting moment of the season? Who gets the award for best actor or actress? Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, I'm for with sure. you. Cynthia had the the most to do that beautiful like so many beautiful moments mm-hmm. and and those sex scenes like those have to be very difficult to film with especially a, a new person you know being right. introduced this person you're not even it's not like somebody you've been working with it's not Steve that you've been working with for decades this is it looked like they she just nailed it this season yeah she really did most cringeworthy moment is it that stupid one at the door with Che and and Miranda yeah, and maybe, for maybe Miranda's orgasm slash I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> like, I mean, I loved that moment because it's when I realized the writers understood how annoying Che is. But that was cringe in a nutshell. There like, were also the purposeful cringe moments with the like purposeful cringe moments with Miranda early on in the season trying to, you know, be woke and, and having like white savior syndrome and like all those scenes with Naya with like. The, like, not being able to get in with a security guard and, like, trying to come to the rescue. There were a lot of really oh, yeah. cringeworthy moments early on with Miranda. And the, the dinner party with Charlotte, too. Yes. Totally. Um, okay, we're almost done with awards. Two more. Funniest moment. What made you laugh the most? You go first. I I know I've given a lot of shit over Anthony, but I think the, the one uh, line that sticks out or one moment that sticks out was the scene where they were that stupid auction that we didn't need to have, mm-hmm. but it was just to give LTW something to do, uh, where uh, he's like, he talks about how like he there were no eligible men there, how he wouldn't be caught dead with a cater waiter, and then fails to keep uh, that teacher away from Carrie and then Carrie's like, what the hell? And he's like, sorry, I was in the stall getting a hand job from a cater waiter. And I was like, yes, thank you. This is what Anthony is here for. Yes. He's here to say things and then to undercut them with humor. That was that was one of my funniest moments. Yeah. I thought. I What was mine now that I'm thinking of it? Um, Charlotte t- um, looking for cancer on daddy's penis, probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was great. The, or Miranda saying 45 times, you still blow Harry? And I was like, okay, we get it, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie's like, is, is it his birthday? Like, <laughs> yeah, that what? was great. <laughs> We're not that old. We still can give blowjobs. All right. Um, and finally, best fashion moment of the season. What is the one look that stands out the most? I, oh, Phil, I don't, I mean, I, I guess that Valentino orange gown over the bridge was striking. Absolutely yeah divine it's gorgeous i think it was that for me or it was when she was eating popcorn in that dress from the last paris appearance where she uh had been abandoned by barishnikov and mm-hmm. was just like uh and she like puts that back on i think those were the most like iconic like ooh, look at those moments so yeah. i really i really enjoyed both of those otherwise i really liked Seema's dressing she looks great absolutely her yeah. and ltw i feel like probably win best dress for this season just yeah. fabulous fabulous looks agree Okay, so this documentary dropped this past week, and I loved it. I was getting text messages from friends being like, I liked the documentary more than I liked the season. And I see where they're coming from, because we get so much fun information, and we really get to see our favorite actresses just, like, talk to us. And I loved it. It was gritty, and it it had this, like, New York quality that I feel like, and just like that, 
glossed over a little bit. Like, this kind of went back to, like, there's just something about a New York costume designer, you know, <laughs> and, like, how it's not as it's not as fancy or as luxurious as you think it is. Like they are in the trenches looking through vintage. It's this whole world beneath the surface, which is New York. You know, New York is like the alleyways and in the cellars and behind every door, there's a hallway that goes to a secret speakeasy club. And that's just what it felt like watching this documentary. It was like a peek behind all, like the labyrinth of what goes into Sex and the City. I mean- and just oh, absolutely. Like that. And jumping off of that, there were just so many things that I think as viewers, we can be flippant about and we can be like, oh, why do they pick that thing? But to watch this documentary and to see the level of thought mm -hmm. that went into every single stupid thing where we were just like, oh, why was that there? Or why? Why were these shoes next to his ashes or whatever? You know, there's so many yeah. things that were just so well thought out. And I really liked how and I had no idea how hands-on SJP was with the choices going into her scenes down to what is on the table. What does that closet look like? Things look too staged. She wants them to be messier. I, I thought that was fascinating, her level of involvement, just choosing what would be surrounding Carrie so that she could embody Carrie as an actress later during the actual filming. The art and science of it was so cool to watch because you're watching these women and you, and characters and you think they sit down and it's just like, oh, they read their lines and it's easy. But like from the fittings to knowing how to look at your phone because a, a fake call is coming in to answering it and emoting in the right way and seeing Sarah Jessica, as they call her, work through that line by line and moment by moment and like where everything was in the right place was so technical. It was so eye-opening and impressive. And it made me, you know, once again, wipe the slate clean of anything I've ever said about the show. <laughs> you know what? We're just going to take down all nine episodes that have happened until today. Um, I, and that and that just makes it more meaningful, right? Like when you know that stuff and then look at a scene, mm -hmm. just to, to think like, oh, these weren't accidents. And Sarah Jessica Parker cared so much about that choice and really crafted it. And all of these women did, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, down to like, you know, Kristen Davis went to tennis school. I mean, I just loved seeing how much investment went into what what I considered like a throwaway scene where she's just playing tennis and I like know. gets to like push down her spoiled husband, Harry, who can, who can just like demand an apology. And <laughs> obviously that was the plot point, but I ignored the whole fact that oh, maybe Kristen Davis doesn't know how to play tennis. Oh, maybe she had to learn how to play tennis. Mm -hmm. And they were in tennis rehearsals. I thought all the those, those intricate moments that you're like, wow, th there was so much behind what we just saw that we yeah. had no idea. And that's why I love that they showed the crew because I feel like we've heard a lot about how Sarah Jessica Parker is a doll to work with. But I think she had... An, people like all the executive producers, including the women involved, wanted to spotlight the crew in a way that doesn't get spotlit like the clothes or the costume or the talent or um, Michael Patrick King. Like it was so nice and interesting to see how they think about the sound guys not going to like the clinky jewelry or um, the set decorator is learning about Chanel and where to like why Carrie's place would be a mess with CDs and stuff like that. It was fascinating and to introduce who were a lot of people that worked on the original series mm -hmm. who have been with these characters and we only see who's in front of the camera but who have who know carrie probably just as second well second best uh after her 
you know, because they've been following that story. I don't know if you know this, but I was recently in a commercial, Phil, for... Go on. <laughs> for Xfinity. Was it for Peloton? <laughs> for Peloton, yes. No, but for real, yeah. me and my husband, like, we um, knew the director and she asked us to audition. And we're so good at sitting on a couch and watching uh-huh. TV that we booked it. And um, Congratulations. This is so exciting. <laughs> it's really not. But it is. But it's awesome. Um, <laughs> but um, I literally... Whatever. Okay. So... A lot of the crew on that shoot were on and just like that and Sex in the City. And so uh, I was watching this, um, the documentary and the gaffer came up and I'm like, oh, my God, I know that man. Like, that's pretty incredible. It's so funny. And they apparently he told my friend, he was like, yeah, I'll give you a spoiler. Carrie and Che get together. <laughs> and obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, man, I am so glad about that. Speaking of. That I thought was a fascinating reveal from the uh, the documentary too, where it wasn't definite that Che was going to be the love interest for Miranda when they were crafting the storylines that they were considering Naya as a potential love interest. And Cynthia Nixon says, you know, well, I think it's a it's a bigger stretch to have like these two straight women who are coming to this realization later in life um, that perhaps. Che would be the better choice for that. And I thought that was so interesting. Okay, I kind of missed exactly what she was saying. So now that I'm hearing that, oh my God, that would right? have like been- Naya, that would have been- Oh, horrible. terrible story Like line. not only mm-hmm. do I not buy that Naya and Miranda even hang out still, <laughs> but, yeah. and I barely I buy Miranda and Che, but I could see at least Miranda's attraction to Che. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting tidbit. That really was. And back to Che. So a lot of the choices, it was like, amazing to see what directed an artistic choice you know like the hat the tech like oh my god if Mm. that hat had been in that montage it would have been insane and they were so upset about it but michael patrick king was so right but and sarah Sarah jessica parker was so upset yes but we'll get to that but understanding how they let sarah ramirez form the character and the character was formed around them i think maybe led to the reason people didn't take to Che. Like it was, they were maybe a little too lenient with how that, like, I, I don't know if they saw the character for who they were exactly because mm, like of it wasn't how as they fully fleshed it. out as fully fleshed out of a character on the page because they were just trying to base it off of a real life. Cause I know I'm not saying that Sarah Ramirez is a narcissist, but you just mean the like, no, I think, be, yeah, I think because it was so much of like, let's, looking at that character through one angle, you know, and mm-hmm. and maybe not getting the three dimensional character of how that would how that character would work once the cameras are there, once the editing happens, like once the yeah. viewers are watching it, as they might do with characters that they're really working up from their own brains, you know? Sure. Yeah. I Does that, that make sense. any sense? I think it makes total sense. And if it doesn't, uh, please feel free to complain and we won't correct it on next week's episode because this is the final one. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I also, it was so beautiful to have them talk about Willie Garson, who obviously we didn't know and we only knew what was coming out in the headlines. You know, like they, we knew that they were filming this show and then we knew that Willie Garson um, passed away. I don't think we even got headlines that he was sick or had discontinued filming prior to his passing. Um, so I thought that was so lovely to hear the actresses and the uh, the crew talk about Willie, and I thought it was interesting that we found out that Sarah Jessica Parker knew that he was sick before anybody else did, mm-hmm. which just lends, obviously, that little tidbit of knowledge that they're, they were closer mm-hmm. and had, like, their own personal relationship, the two of them as actors, 
you know, they'd worked together so deeply for so many years, even for Sarah Jessica Parker to reveal that when she thought about Carrie's apartment from the original series, she always thought of, you know, Stanford being there. That was surprising to me. Yeah, I I didn't, I had never thought that as a viewer, but for her as somebody who probably only filmed alone or with Stanford in that mm-hmm. set, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of history to then lose that person while you're filming the thing that you know each other from it, that, you know. It made me realize a little bit about or made me empathize more with the grieving storyline because she was really grieving in real life. So that was probably informing the choices around Big's death and the acting and storylines because those two things mirrored each other in real life. Yeah. It was so heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking, but beautiful. And I'm glad that they devoted a whole, you know, section of the documentary to talking. Yeah, about it was lovely. That. And yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker just seems, Phil, I'm touched by her light. I mean, she like, I- I've always think of her as Carrie, but watching the documentary, I see another side to her. And I just, I worship her, I think. I she think seems she's so lovely. Oh my intelligent, gosh! Intelligent, lovely, kind, thoughtful, funny, smart, wise, mm-hmm. gorgeous. She can oh, joke yeah. with everybody and like hang. And the way that I thought that I thought those scenes were going to go, where they're like, okay, SJP is coming in and she's going to look at these costumes and she's going to like some things and not like some things. And the way I thought those were going to go were like a diva actress who maybe would tone it down for the camera because obviously there's a documentary camera in the room, but. It was just so different. It was collaborative. It was, like you said, thoughtful, just so intelligent the way she approached the response to different pieces and the way you could watch her visibly fall in love with certain pieces and how we have to have this. (laughs) I mean, the hat, I know. Well, you can't win them all. But, you know, there were just, I thought that surprised me in a really wonderful way about SJP, how thoughtful all of that was and how how loving she was of the process. You know, she wasn't mad that she had to for the thousandth time to go to a costume fitting. She was excited about the shoes. She was like touching everything. She was fully involved in that. And the styling is so it's such a technical skill. Like when an actual real stylist comes up and does stuff and to see all the women understand how the clothes work on their bodies with mics, with sound Mm. in action was so interesting and like I'm, I'm thinking of Carrie with those like long, the like ribbons hanging off her blouse, and just like oh, yeah. deciding how to wear it, and it like that styling can change the whole thing. And that level of detail means that the things that we are like complaining about or loving were chosen thoughtfully. Like the number of times I brought up LTW's stupid outfit that I'm obsessed with. I'm sure that every single thing was placed on that outfit mm-hmm. with such care and detail. So that somebody like me can have a reaction and talk about it four times on a podcast. Well, we have to talk about Molly Rogers because she's filling Pat Field's shoes, even though she had been, it seems like, her protege mm-hmm. in Sex in the City. And she just like, she brings this miraculously down-to-earth, hilarious presence to set. Like that poem she wrote about the hat, that was, <laughs> was one of the really funniest good. fucking things I've ever heard. <laughs> like... And the fact that she recited it to Michael Patrick King. Yeah. I, and that she he died laughing. It's just like, oh, I, I want to hang out with these people. Like they can yeah. pl- they can poke each other. Like it's not 
Yeah. And Molly is the protagonist of the documentary. We follow <gasps> her. Right. So we, we, we open up on her. She's the carry of this of the documentary, which You're is right. kind of fun because it's a new, it's a new person that we're not familiar with, and it opens in SJP's whatever it is that storage unit where we get to look at all of those things that have just been sitting there untouched for all this time, and we we kind of just keep revisiting Molly in a really great way because uh, she's the one who gets to touch everything. Oh. Like she's she's there on set, she's at the fitting, she's I mean, so we really got a lot of her. Um, but we were able to see every everybody along the way because of her. So I kind of I liked that she was our our driving force because she was such a fun person. She's such a fun person, and I mean, when Seema says to Carrie, like, "Do you have Narnia back there as your closet?" and it's like, "Yeah," like the <laughs> truth is, is that once you go through Carrie's closet, there's all the storage facilities, and it sounds like SJP is like, "Is it on? Is she flipping the bill for storing all these clothes?" Like that seems crazy. That was very surprising to me that she has been the owner of all of these things for all of these years. I don't know if they were like bequeathed to her or if she just was like, I'll be responsible for them. Mm-hmm. But it's not like she was given these clothes and she's wearing them all the time. You know, as Molly says, like they haven't been touched in, you know, 20 years. So why does SGP have them? That made me feel a little sick. And it made me think, it, it, I think that enough is reason for season two to have these endless archives of clothes and fashion being like the second industry that creates the most waste and pollution after the oil industry. Like just thinking about these gorgeous clothes lying in a closet, like a graveyard made me feel a little and sick. And they're pieces of art and the amount of hours mm-hmm. obviously that went into them, but just pieces of art that will just never see the light of day again. You're right. We need a season two for this reason. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to talk about season two or is that no, I, we jumping I, the gun? No, I have so many more thoughts. I, I'm sorry. I love your thoughts. Give me your thoughts, Dara. Okay. What else you got? Okay. So I absolutely, <laughs> I loved seeing that Cynthia director section. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not just because we lost the white wig, which I didn't know was a wig. Phil. Right? Are we the last two people on earth to not know that are was a wig? Are we the only people? I'm, I I was like, oh, that wasn't her hair. Okay. Sorry. Okay, that was I just a good totally wig. D- derailed your train of thought. But no. it was a good wig. Wow. I stand Probably. by that not being a wig, honestly. Um. So... It's one thing to like be like, oh, and Cynthia Nixon directed this episode. But then to see it, it's like, like, who wants to direct an episode? It's like so much work and decision making. It's so much executive function and you got to be the bad guy. But seeing how supportive they were of Cynthia and Mm -hmm. it blew me away because there's this false narrative that women like are catty and don't support each other. But this was such a big role to see a woman take on. And particularly the way Kristen Davis spoke about uh, mm-hmm. being directed by Cynthia Nixon was so grateful and just so, you know, like that was the best piece of, uh, uh, that was the best note I've ever gotten as an actor. Or like she got me there in that scene that she was also acting in, that picnic scene where she's yeah. opposite her and she's like again. getting notes from, <laughs> I mean, so good. And But Kristen Davis was was expressing gratitude for that. And I, I loved that it felt like camaraderie for Cynthia Nixon to be running the show, not like to your what you just said, any kind of animosity or competition at all. And as someone who, like, I, you know, I do a lot of different types of things, you know, like even within PureWow, like we're writers, we're editors, and we're doing a podcast. And it was, for me, seeing Cynthia, first night basis, seeing C- Cynthia Nixon <laughs> Sin, yeah. in this light, really like, it really inspired me because it's so it was so unusual to see a woman with that's such a multi hyphenate, but like on her own terms and unapologetic about it. Like, let's not forget she ran for governor 
And it's just like awe-inspiring. Like, yeah, I ran for governor. I was into that. And I can also direct this amazing episode of television and act in it and have a crazy orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) And have a crazy orgasm. Uh, From the governorship to, well, the failed governorship to uh, the orgasm in the kitchen. But I, I think it was inspirational to also see that, or humbling a little bit to see how when she was in that room with the other uh, show creators and she was like, you know, what's the tone? And they were like, you know the tone of the show. Yeah. It was interesting to see that vulnerable moment of Cynthia Nixon where you see a little bit of her like insecurity or her trying to get it right or wanting to get it right. And then them being like, you know, you got this. And then seeing her cut to her owning it over and over and over again as a director, because of course she's got this because she is this fabulous multi-hyphenate. I think it also speaks to being that feminine presence in a leadership role, too, where Cynthia Nixon says, like, it's OK to say, I don't know. Like, it's OK to do that. And and I also I liked seeing that ambivalence when you're like, you might know that better than me because you're the gaffer. You know specifically how to do that, you know. But I also like seeing in the writer's room when Michael Patrick King literally just says no outright. I feel like you never see that anymore. Like everything is, yes, let's do every idea in this room. And then you get to nowhere. I liked seeing them be able to work together in a productive way, but still saying, let's stay on track. This isn't where I want to go, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So before we go, we have to talk about season two, at least briefly, we must uh, address, will it happen? And what do we need to happen in it? I think there's a 0% chance it won't happen. That's just my opinion. There have been, you know, reports that it's definitely going to happen. So I think, you know, there there have already been discussions. You know, the execs at HBO, Michael Patrick King, have all commented on it. And in all cases, the, the vibe is very... The door is open. Discussions are happening. Nothing is in stone, which means it's totally happening. This is the biggest thing that's been hap- that has been talked about nonstop for, you know, two months now. There's no way they're not having season two. That's my take. Am I wrong? Oh, I like misheard you. I thought you were saying there's no way season two is happening. I think I had like a triple negative in there. I was like, there's no I don't <laughs> think there's no way that it's not. So anyway, it's happening. I think it's got to be happening. It's happening. Yeah. You know me. I think Samantha's coming back. She's not. But I think she is. So, of course, I think like we're we're on the road to like another 10 seasons. I want to see these women at each other's funerals. OK, <laughs> I actually agree. I don't think we want one more season. I think like let's open this up. Like let's just say it's an open ended thing. Like let's keep getting it renewed, you know, for a couple more seasons. What do we need to see in season two? Let's be less precious about it. I think this first season, Phil, was like, and why it got so much critique, including from us, even though it was a perfect season now in retrospect. um, (laughs) I think it was like, oh, we're getting like just a glimpse of our women. It's like a dream to have them back. It has to be absolutely perfect. But if we're less precious about it, if we give it more breathing room to do its thing, if we know there's a million more seasons, please, um, HBO, uh, it can be weirder, funnier, have, you know, more distinguish itself more from the original as well. I'm excited for also the new characters who, uh, for better or worse, whether Che is included in that batch for season two, the new characters being more fleshed out and us also being comfortable with them. So this isn't about like, let's introduce this person. Oh, they can only be around. Otherwise, when another main character is around, otherwise it feels weird. Or uh, 
uh, or they feel sidekicky to a certain degree where each of the main women got a new main woman, you know? And yeah. so I, I feel like I look forward to that vibe just being gone entirely and them just being able to be where we're just more comfortable and they can have more complex storylines where it's not like Naya's only thing is the IVF thing. That can be one facet of a more complicated storyline that perhaps Honey, we it get. better be. I know, I know. I, but what I think you're that's saying, inevitable. Uh, what I think this season set up beautifully now that I'm, you know, on team this season <laughs> is how Michael Patrick King talked about this in the documentary was the choreography behind sitting at the table. I, I, and it was something we all felt who gets to sit at that table. And when Charlotte got up and sit, sat down with LTW, you feel this like, oh, she's sitting down. I didn't I didn't cognitive, cognitively understand what I was feeling, but they explain mm. it to like visually see them take that seat and then Seema sitting at the table. Mm. It's emotional. So they've they've been sitting at these tables, they've all had a meal and now we can now we can expand their world without wondering how they fit into it now. Yeah, they've all they all have a seat at the table. I that's beautiful and I think a lovely and fitting ending to what uh we all just observed and talked about and loved and hated for the last, you know, 9 weeks. Um Dara, before we go, should we do a couple and just like that? Um, for old time's uh, sake. For old time's <laughs> sake. <laughs> and just like that, I refuse to believe that any of the prop drinks are just water and juice. <laughs> and just like that, I still think there's a chance Samantha comes back if we have a season two. <sighs> and just like that, I want to see more Seema from Queens, less Seema from Tribeca. And just like that, the thing I'm most excited for in season two is finding out which company will kill another main character. <laughs> McDonald's. And just <laughs> like that, those crutches falling down were the slapstick comedy that Charlotte actually worked with. It was great. And that improv between SJP and Charlotte was really fun. So good. So good. Oh, and just like that, that scene between David Eigenberg and SJP was what I needed, honestly, to close the close the loop on Miranda and Steve. Yeah. Also, their second scene ever. That's so weird. I had no so idea. So funny. Like, they don't remember anything. Oh, SJP's. Oh, I do have uh, two more. Do it. Oh, my gosh. And just like that, Sarah Jessica has only watched each episode once. Fascinating. Does she even know the canon? <laughs> and just like that, SJP has a Blackberry? I forgot about that. What the hell? Oh my God! Someone get her an iPhone quick. How oh, she, that was how are that's they, true. Are they in business? How, is her phone it's functional? Very confusing. I, I love it. It makes me love her even more. I didn't even know they made blackberries. That's what I learned this year. Um, okay, Dara, this has been so much fun. I'm gonna miss doing this every week. Me too, Phil. Thank you for like letting me spew a bunch of like bad takes your way. Uh uh-uh. uh, and thank you for going on this journey with me where we had ups and downs and Lefts we hated and it and we loved it. We were so many lefts and rights. We were mad, we were thrilled. And, you know, to everybody who listened, that, that was wonderful. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. This has yeah, been so, thank you to so much fun. All of our listeners, it's been really fun. But uh, Hollywood called and me and Phil are going to make our pilot. <laughs> <laughs> we're going with Che. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and we want you to come with us. Please. I, w- I would turn down a pilot with Che, I think. Um, no, I wouldn't. I would absolutely go. But Dara, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. And uh, until season two, bye all. Chia seeds are bullshit. I had one stuck in my teeth all day. So what are we watching? That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. 
please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at KDara. And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. And help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week. And just like that, a Sex and the City reboot podcast is a PureWow and Gallery Media Group production.